0: Hi there, Let's Talk Sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Baseball. And I'm joined by my co host, Jonathan. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Yes, thank you for having me on another show, Dan. Appreciate it. Uh,
0: no, I've been looking forward to um, how's um, the uh, preparations for the season um, for your Alpha Performance squad.
1: We're hitting our stride right now in February in our spring training. Uh, we had a, a scrimmage this past weekend with my 14U teams, my my 12U group. Uh, they're preparing for their first scrimmage this weekend. Uh, the 14U teams are continuing to get another scrimmage this um, this upcoming weekend. The high school girls they're in the middle of their high school seasons right now. We have a lot of uh, a lot of success that we've been hearing and seeing uh, from that group uh, with their schools. So we've been. We're hitting the ground hard and we're still continuing with our expansion with our even our younger team, our tenure team. Uh, we'll continue working on So we're, we're hitting the ground running hard and we're looking good. We're getting ready for the spring season.
0: And um, anyone who wants to follow the um, work Jonathan does um, with his squad and all their teams, please head over to his page and give them a follow and share if you can um so um you're in the full ring of things um pretty much opposite for major league baseball at this stage um there's a few other aspects what we're going to discuss in a minute but um today would have been the day that the pitchers and catchers would start um their spring training but that said Um, There's not too much sort of certainly positive news at this stage. Certainly a lot of people around the league feel even if there's some progress soon, that a start date of June may be the best case scenario.
1: I mean, we're we're in the negotiations. You're seeing a lot of the, uh, the you're hearing a lot of the small parts of uh, agreements being made, but it's not enough. It's not enough to really progress to sit there and say we're going to have a deal done uh, in time for the season to start up um, in, in April, and and that's the disappointing part. And this is the day you know, pitchers and Catches reporting that all the you know all players are I've circled to get back to work and get ready for this upcoming season, and and this is sad. It, it's it's sad uh, that. That we're 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 seeing a lot of the disputes that are just you're you're not able to get ground to 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 look at the bigger picture and what we're trying to do as as baseball and players and the owners are trying to hopefully accomplish uh, is to make sure we salvage this full season and it, we as fans and I'm a I'm, you know former player but I'm a, I'm a fan of the game as well. You know, when we had the 2020 COVID shortened season, that was heartbreaking because we're so used to seeing the 162 games and, and the the dog days of summer going into the fall. You know, postseason play beginning, of the, you have that that rush of feeling, and, and right now it's kind of being taken away from the fans that this is this is continuing to prolong itself, um, and you're finding more and more issues of uh, and, and disagreements being made and continuing to pop up even more so. And that's the that's the disheartening part is anytime they get ground being made, saying, hey, okay, we might be getting close to where this can get done in time. Then all of a sudden something else pops up and gets thrown into the mix and said, well, we don't agree on that. So it continues to have the, the owners and players being so far apart that, and like I said, I, I've kind of been saying for, uh, for a while now that I, I don't see this getting done in time for for us to have uh, baseball in April. and and I, I, that that breaks my heart because I, I, I don't want to see that happen. i want I want opening day. I want the festivities of opening day to take place, but right now it's it it doesn't look good.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. And I don't think they realize would damage what may be done if it doesn't start on time cause you just never know if your fan base is discontent then you don't know how that will affect your popularity going forward. And that plays into another topic you wanted to discuss. Um, one of the um, reports is suggesting that it may be a minor league, um, jobs may be cut and so forth. Um, and this is something what has they have sort of, gone after in recent years as well and this is just another sign of um maybe read the room because there is a lot of people what uh, not only depend on the minor league system what um are they infested in from a fandom point of view and this could just be another case of um the damage with your relationship with the fan base in my opinion
1: well, I'm glad you brought up the popularity of the sport because what you just asked me as far as the minor league system and what's going on with the minor with the system, I'm going to tie into the popularity side of it as well. in nineteen In 1994, on the the 94 strike happened. Baseball was at the peak of its popularity compared to the other sports, the NFL and the NBA. It wasn't quite there yet. Uh, NBA was getting more popular because of Michael Jordan in the 90s, but it was not at the level of Major League Baseball, you know, leading up to the 94 strike NFL was still not was still, you know, kind of new in the mainstream. So Major League Baseball in the 90s was the popular sport and that 94 strike really took down the popularity uh, uh, of, the, of the sport in the, in the country uh, tremendously. And what saved uh, baseball in its popularity was the home run chase of 98 with, with Maguire, Sosa, and Griffey, uh, Bonds, uh, and being part of that as well. And then the home run record-breaking moments with Maguire, and then a few years later with Bonds. And you had that popularity, that, that that excitement from that kind of saved baseball a little bit more so to where the popularity did come back. Fast forward now into 2022, Major League Baseball is not the most popular sport anymore. That is the NFL. The NFL is the king of, of North American sports. The second behind it is, is the NBA now. And the NBA is more popular in, in the in the United States compared to Major League Baseball. Baseball has gained its ground a little bit more. And in my opinion, I feel like it's gained its ground against the NBA a little bit. But you throw in this lockout now where they had room to, to really give in the, in the 90s to, because they were the popular sport. You don't have that now. So the fans, the young fan base, they're trying to hopefully get and, and that's what that was the goal over the last few years was to get the younger crowd more excited about baseball because the younger crowd was enjoying football. They were drawing in the NFL. And that was the, that was the uphill fight that Major League Baseball has been trying to deal with in the popularity contest. Now, the strike, this this lockout. You're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose those that younger fan base because the NFL right now is continuing to flourish. The NBA is continuing to be popular as well. And nobody's really excited about baseball at the younger ages. And that's gonna hurt them more so. Now I'm going to tie in into the minor league system. Well, the minor leagues, if you continue cutting teams, the minor leagues are fun. And exciting and great because it's not in the big cities of Boston, New York, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, uh, you know, uh, D- Dallas, Fort Worth. They're, it's not in the big cities. Minor ball is going in those smaller, you know, towns in North Carolina, in Tennessee. Uh, you, you go to, to uh, uh, you know, you have teams out in Wyoming. You like, you have. All these teams that, that minor league uh, players are playing in, and the smaller, you know, smaller urban areas out there, smaller, uh, you know, rural areas, excuse me, that that you don't get to really see, uh, you don't get to see those big name players because you're you're out, and you're you're not close to the to the big cities of major league baseball uh, teams are. Mm-hmm. So when you have the minor leagues and you have somebody who's exciting and it's a young prospect coming through the system, you get you get excited to see that and to see their growth and their and their. Um, the, where they're going to be in you know two years into the major leagues. Growing up in New Orleans, we had the New Orleans Zephyrs, and we got to see the guys like Lance Berkman come up to uh, for the minor leagues uh, to the Astros in the nineties and 2000s. So I, I kind of got to experience that myself growing up from a city that didn't have a, a, a professional a major league baseball team. We had the minor league team. So you're cutting out these minor league teams. You're taking away opportunities for these for the younger generation that you're hoping to get and get them excited about baseball and create the popularity that you're wanting and if you continue to do so you're going to lose that generation even more so and it's and it's going to hurt them you know it's going to hurt even more so in the long haul than what they think
0: yeah i agree i mean um i try to keep an eye out on the minor leagues one of my contributors um dan is um an usher. at um, one of the teams Tri-City Valley Cats Um so he's a very avid um, fan of the minor leagues and one thing is that the minor leagues might actually be very important if there's a shortened season some of the fan bases will, the minor leagues obviously will still be going on so that could be their the one saving grace so don't take that system for granted and um, I don't know I think they need as much goodwill as possible at this stage. So this just seems like another—if I'm honest—sort of stupid move.
1: Oh, it is, and, and the aspect of that they think the owners think they're going to save money and 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 to cut some teams out—they're they're saving pennies on the dollar if they do so, and you're and you're actually hurting more as you as you mentioned. There's people. There's more than just the players. That if you cut it, if you cut a team out completely uh, from the organization, you're, you're not just hurting the players that were that are in there, but you're hurting the people who work in the stadiums. You're hurting the people in the communities, those small towns, and it just it's a it's a trickle down effect that it can really hurt those small towns that love that love the team that love the uh, that community that that embraces those teams, and it, it, it's it. Three falls downward to where it hurts more than, than it's just the players. And the players are the ones who are getting talked about the most because it does affect them more so, be, um, more so in the aspect of Major League Baseball's eyes. But you're, you're saving, I think of what I saw was like $500,000 $500, per Major League team if they cut uh, it, it down to 150 uh, minor league players. You're saving five hundred five hundred thousand dollars. Essentially, what it is—that's pennies on the dollar to the owners. You're your saving. That, that, that's not doing anything. That's just, if you, in the grand scheme of it, that actually is—that's a salary for one player on the. Uh, not even uh, the salary of one player on the veteran veteran minimum deal or even on the rookie minimum deal. They're still making more than $500,000. So what are you trying to save in the aspect of cutting more minor league teams after doing so two years ago in 2020 when you cut more teams out of the uh, aspect of it? So I, I think they're hurting the product more. Because the minor leagues are meant for development. They're meant, they're meant to get these guys ready for the next level. And if you cut those down more and you don't have as many teams in the minor leagues, you're taking away opportunities for guys to develop and get ready for the, uh, for the next level. And that's what we're seeing a little bit more. Is these guys are not – a, a lot of guys who get called up, they're not ready. They're not ready for that, and they get sent back down, and we never see them again in Major League Baseball mostly. That that is the that's that's a true fact of what happens more times than not. You have the exceptions where the guys take off and thrive and excel, and we'll see them for 10, 15 years. And then, but you have more so the guys who show up, get a cup of coffee in the big leagues, play two to three years, and then we never see them again in the big leagues after that. It, it, it's going to hurt the product more if they continue cutting out minor league uh, the minor league teams out of basically out of baseball altogether.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. I mean. We have a similar situation with European soccer over here in England. Um, all the money grips to the top teams, the Premiership teams, and one of the things what makes the English soccer so good is we have a professional uh, four professional divisions. But the problem is there's so little money, and it's getting less and less. Uh, so teams that football ladder is sort of. Um, it's not working really and you're seeing that in the development of these players and i think the point of having these leagues for development is you may pay a little bit for the development but it pays dividends of these players being ready to hit the ground running so you would think karma hedge would prevail, but at the end of the day most things do come down to nook and dime cost cutting sir and we will see how this plays out um i'm sure we'll talk about um the negotiations probably next week at this point given how the season's going pan out we might have to call the show let's talk cba negotiations um but one um I'm sure one subject you've got your eye on is once the negotiations have um, sort of uh, gone more positive, Freddie Freeman, I'm, are you um, confident of um, him re-signing when that, I'm sure he'll have plenty of suitors. Some people do believe that maybe there's possibly a deal with the Braves in place, but they want to do it after um, the CBA's announced, and obviously, they know what money they've got and how to sort of structure that deal.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident that Freddie Freeman's going to end up resigning with Atlanta. He he talks about legacy a lot, uh, in following Chipper Jones. He grew up in the Braves organization, seeing Chipper uh, play his entire career in Atlanta, and how much he was loved by the fans. He still is to this day, and that's a legacy uh, that's a legacy that he wants to emulate. He, you know, he wants that, that feeling that Chipper has in his 20, 19 years, 20 years of his career in, in Atlanta. And he wants that, wants that feeling of it. So I, I believe Freddie Freeman does end up resigning the, the question is going to be the and I was very surprised when we, when we had uh, our show uh, talked about before the lockout began and free agency was taking place, we saw some guys from some the big name guys really get contracts and accepted the contracts. I was a little bit surprised by that because you don't know how the CBA is going to structure those contracts it, it, it more so after uh, uh, after lockout and also after the TV deals kick in in 2023. So I was a little bit surprised based, uh, based off of some of the the, the bigger name guys that had, had accepted contracts before the lockout. But you see, you still see a lot of big name uh, players that are, are free agents right now, Freddie Freeman being one of them. Is it going to be? it's going to have a lot of suitors? Absolutely. Is the Yankees one of them? Absolutely. Is the Dodgers one of them? Absolutely. I, I think the Giants were another team that had would kick the uh, kick the the door uh, open to, to have conversations with Freddie Freeman, uh, being that Freddie's a California guy himself as well, he and his wife are both from California, so it makes a little bit of sense to to if you're a California team. To knock on the door and 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 have a have a cup of coffee with with Freddie and see what what they could do, but I I I firmly I, I really believe that the the legacy aspect following Chipper Jones in Atlanta it it means a lot to Freddie, uh, and and because you can be you can be that career guy and there's not a lot of guys that are that way anymore, um, I, you know in in, in sp- really in sports altogether that play their entire career with one team and Freddie has the opportunity to do so and i think that means a lot to him
0: yeah i agree and from what i understand not just him his wife is quite invested in not just with braves but with community as well so that's another aspect i agree with you i'm surprised some of these guys did um sign their deals before the negotiations but I guess it's what works for you. Um perhaps they wanted that security rather than waiting, and let's be honest, they're gonna be waiting a long time, it would seem. Um, one thing we did touch on last week was the Hall of Fame, but um the sort of big, shall we say, uh controversy happened where we on our breaks. Um, what was um your thoughts on um some of the players not getting in, obviously, because of steroid use. Um, How I so fall on it is I understand the argument about steroid use and cheating, but the problem they've got is I understand the merits, but it's a Hall of Fame, and now it's starting to be a big issue of, well, some of the bigger names ain't in, and it's sort of, there's not a winning argument because there's a downside to both things. Um, As some people suggested, could they have a asterisk on their name or a separate part of the whole? I don't know, but where do you fall on it?
1: So I've been asked this question a lot over the last probably 10 years, my opinion on it. And it, it, at times it actually changes. And and one thing that I will say about this, uh, and we, there's, the guys who, can, who have gotten in who've been speculated uh, that have had uh, performance enhancing drug accusations and they're in the Hall of Fame compared to those who have had the same accusations or in probably a little bit more evidence or uh, against them are not in. And, and there's a lot of the the. Uh, conversation about well if these guys are in and have had they've been speculated and even even though they may have never tested positive but there's been speculation that they have been had ties to peds and then you have this group over here who have never tested positive had the same ties to peds but they've been probably investigated a little bit more outside of major league baseball and they're not in so what's the difference in aspect of both groups have had speculation of peds And they're, but neither, but one group's in, one group uh, is not, but neither, neither of those groups have tested positive. Well, what's the difference in aspect of it? And the the one aspect I have actually looked at and talk, um, I've talked to people about is the portrayal by the writers, and and this is where Hall of Fame voting has completely lost sight, uh, especially in baseball. Actually, uh, baseball writers have at times shown how powerful they are and what their opinion means uh, in, in the voting process. And the so guys who are very well liked by the media, who had a career of being great people to the media. You know, David Ortiz is one of them. David Ortiz is one of the one of the good guys of baseball. I met him myself one time, uh, spent you know, 15 minutes having a conversation with an absolutely great guy. Uh, and he is loved by the media. And they, be, there should never be anybody even talking bad about david ortiz despite the speculation even though he's never tested positive for it he gets in very easily into in, in his voting process then you take guys like barry bonds mark mcguire at times sammy sosa at times who have, who've either have not been very well liked by the media or have been very distant uh, to the media and, and some of the conversations or interviews and aspects of questioning that is needed to be answered. And the, and the media looks at it and says, well, you're not helping us by even having a conversation with us. Why should we help you in the voting process? So you, it's, you're kind of taking context out of the stats and what the purposes of major league baseball or the baseball hall of fame and, and looking at it in an aspect of what it's supposed to be for. Um, Do I feel like guys like Bonds and Sosa and McGuire should be in the hall of fame? Well, in a way they are, because there's times where, you know, the, uh, 1989 Oakland A's, uh, who won the world series McGuire was on that team. And then there's a, there's a section of Mark McGuire, part of that group uh, on that team in the hall of fame. So if he's going to be on a team that's in the hall of fame, why should he not be in the Hall of Fame himself? You know, there's moments of uh, Barry Bonds, 73 uh, home run. There's a section in the Hall of Fame about that. But so the home run itself, the 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 home run record itself is in the Hall of Fame about Bonds. But why is Bonds himself? There's a lot of hypocrisy in that aspect of it. So if you're going to put him with a certain records or uh, in the Hall of Fame, you're going to put them on teams that are celebrated in the Hall of Fame. Why should they individually not be in the Hall of Fame? That aspect of it. Did they cheat the game? We don't. No, they didn't test positive. Uh, they didn't test positive for us. The guys who tested positive, they should not be in the Hall of Fame. And that's a clear evidence against them that they cheated the game. The guys who never did, even though we can speculate, even though we can uh, we can uh, sit there and say, hey, look at the difference in, the, in how they look from, the, you know, for in, in Bond's conversation, how he was in 1994 to how he was in 2003, the physical differences of it. That's still speculating. We don't we, we can't really sit there and say, yes, we know for 100 percent fact that he did PEDs. So it, the hypocrisy of Major League Baseball and Cooperstown and the writers uh, is the focus that I actually have looked at over the last few years and sit there and saying that you have these guys in the Hall of Fame, just not individually with their plaque on the wall. They're on there with their teams or the records that they broke and whatnot. They're celebrated in the Hall of Fame based off of that. You're making money charging people to come see those exhibits and see those uh, displays about those teams, but then you won't let him, you won't let them be voted into the Hall of Fame as an individual. And that's kind of the thing that I've looked at and said that's that's part of the problem with what the Hall of Fame has become over the last five to ten years. Yeah,
0: um, I agree. Um, I mean, uh, people. Care about this a lot. I mean, the night um it was announced, uh, the group was very active. It's gonna be interesting how this affects people's interest in all of fame going forward. Because there's some people what sort of this is the final straw. So uh, we will see. Um, and but I do think like with what you said about David Ortiz, um, most people think how he treated Remedia probably um. Pushed him into the Hall of Fame, certainly quicker. And I guess that's a life lesson in um, in case these things happen, be nice to people. And sometimes that will make all the difference.
1: Well, that's the interesting part. You, know, you look into the aspect of uh, you know Kurt Schilling not even getting into the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling, um, the, the, the interesting aspect of Schilling was that he didn't get in because the political views that he expressed over the last few years. And they sit there and say his his uh, his character, and over the last few years, is the reason why he's been voted. He did not get the vote. Kurt Schilling, in his career, had been voted. It was like Person of the Year, Person, as far as for community outreach. Had you know, he was Person of the Year. I think it was like three or four times in his career. So all of a sudden, now we don't look at it and say that he's a good person because of of certain things that the the writers disagree with him on. But he was person of the year for high character, and so the, the, it's just another example of hypocrisy in the in, in the in the writers' association, uh, in the baseball writers' association, and how they handle the and the voting. And the problem here, and this is where it's going to get worse. the The classes over the next couple of years are not very good as far as like as elite level Hall of Fame caliber players. So the conversation is going to be is well, if you let, are they going to have two years of nobody getting the Hall of Fame? Are they going to vote guys in who probably didn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and still leave guys out like Barry Bonds and, and McGuire and Sosa uh, and, and not vote them in and, and say, that, well, yeah, these these guys had elite careers. These guys didn't, but we're going to go ahead and vote them in because we don't really have anybody else to vote for over the next two or three years down the line. So it's going to put the writers really in a, uh, in a difficult perspective to the fans over these next few years when the, when the ballots start coming out.
0: Yeah, I agree, and um, I'm sure there's something we'll talk about uh, down the road. Um, that just about wraps up today's episode. I've learned to say next week. Um, we'll preview our roster builder of a team in division with your Braves and the Phillies. So, um, that that will be an interesting team to see what they do going forward. Um, but I just want to thank you for joining me today, Jonathan.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on another week.
0: enjoyed it. uh, Thank you for joining me. Thank you to everyone for watching. I already see a couple of likes on the videos. So thank you for that. And we'll be back next Tuesday. And until then, thanks for watching. Let's talk sport, fans.